0: We are talking about detox and we've been talking about how we cleanse our soul of these things that that just kind of linger. And part of the thing that we are going to talk about this morning, the main focus is, is anxiety or anxiousness. And I don't know about you, but there are times in my life when I struggle with that feeling. I feel like every eye is watching me. Every person sees not only my flaws, my mistakes, and all those kinds of things. But here's the deal with anxiety, and we want to give you an illustration this morning. When we struggle with anxiety, when I struggle with anxiety, I also struggle, and these things pop up. I also struggle with fear. And when I struggle with fear, I struggle with trust. And when I struggle with trust, I struggle with doubt. And when I struggle with doubt, I struggle with feeling inadequate. And I don't know about you, but some of you are be, you know what, that's me. When I struggle with inadequacy, I struggle with sadness. When I struggle with sadness, I begin to get frustrated. And we say frustration enters our lives. And when I struggle with frustration, I struggle with anger. You see, I don't know if you're like me, but anxiety grows and it multiplies and it morphs into other things. And all these things then begin to surround us. And again, we've been talking about detox, right? About getting rid of the things that hinder us. And all these things make us feel, and again, it's just one of those feelings where we then begin to feel hopeless, And we begin to feel lost. And I use this as an illustration only for this purpose because I want you guys to understand that this is what it's like. So understand that when we deal with these feelings of anxiousness and anxiety, these other things, I say they bring their big brother and sister. Does that make sense? And here's the thing in this illustration, and I want you to show it because when those things come into our life, and guys, I want you to take a step towards me. Here's what happens. It crowds you. So if I take a step forward in my life when I'm anxious or I'm dealing with anxiety and big brother and big sister are here, guess what happens? As I move forward, what do they do? And as I say, you know what? I can't do this anymore. And I step to my left. What do they do? Right? How many of you have been there? And it's a hard thing, and, and, and I, I want to be really, you know, and we say, I want to be really honest with you. I've, I'm never not honest, but can I tell you that as I've been dealing with this topic, and I'm not just dealing with the topic for the message today, but dealing with the topic for life, I don't know how many times I've prepared a message with anxiety. Because I was afraid if I said the wrong thing, and if I messed up, or if someone would think this thing, or or when you do that, but so you prepare in a message, and then all of a sudden you feel hopeless because you're not sure what to say, and then you feel lost, you get frustrated, you see all these things are toxic, and I thought about what does that mean? It's toxic. But we allow these things in our lives all the time. In fact, we carry them with us every day. It may be just one. It may be two. But I'm going to tell you, the more you have anxiousness, the more anxiety you have in life, the more you deal with these things, the more big brother and big sister get stronger. There's a scripture that says this, it said, then God says in Genesis 126, it says, let us make human beings in our image. Understand that likeness and image is a spiritual part of who we are. And God said, I've wonderfully, wonderfully made you. I've not made you to carry this stuff around. So what do we do? When we choose not to handle these types of things, and, I, and, I, and Pastor Mike even brought this up, I call it the junk in our life. When we choose not to deal with the junk in our life, now don't get me wrong, I believe that God heals us. But in the process of healing, oftentimes we say, I'm healed, I'm healed, and I'm healed. And all of a sudden, somebody says something or something happens in our life, and all of a sudden, guess what? Doubt all of a sudden creeps in. And then we go through these triggering of emotions. And again, that's what anxiety is. This emotion that is often at times overwhelming. It follows you. So how do we handle it? We make room. And we're going to talk about that this morning. We make room. We make room. We make room. We push it out. We make room for Christ. We make room for our healing Rather than focus on the emotion, we fix our eyes. And that's what Scripture says, right? Guys, you can take a seat real quick. They're going to be back, I promise. I mean, isn't it true about when we have anxiety and anxiousness? It comes back. But what does Scripture say? Philippians eight. it says... Now, dear brothers and sisters, one thing, the final thing. It says, Final thing. It says what? Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and right, and pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So there are times when you feel that anxiety coming in and creeping in rather than allow it to bring its friends. say, you know what? I'm going to focus on the things that I know are true, right and just. And I don't know. How many of you have been to an old school arcade? All right. Come on. Raise your hand because you'd be proud that you lived in the 80s. All right. Come on. You listen to our music all the time, so don't even try it. I remember back in the day my son came to me. This was he was much younger. He's like, Have you heard this song? He was playing me Bon Jovi. You heard of this band? I'm like, don't even go there. They're kind of cool. I'm like, yeah, I, I know. Anyway, I'll stop there. But here's the thing: when we feel anxiety creeping in, cast it away. 2 Corinthians 10:5. It says we break down every thought, and I stopped there for just a moment. We break down every thought and proud thing that puts itself up against the wisdom of God. We take hold of every thought and make it obey Christ. So I'll go back to that 80s arcade, the the old games, the, the pinball games. Guess what? When it tilts, game over. Anxiousness anxiety, and all of those motions, when we allow things to enter our life, our life begins to be out of balance. We have tilted. It's just out of balance. Second Corinthians 10, 5 through 6, this is the message version. I use the message just for casual reading. It's still the word of God, but they they take in a, a little bit more creative flow. And I, I just like the way they word this. And check this out. It says we use our powerful God tools. I love that. For smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion an impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. So let me tell you this, you're not alone. You're not alone. Scripture describe, describes the struggles of people who suffer from anxiety. they do and you look through and I look this and there's so many examples. People that struggled with anxiety, even though they were faithful servants of God. Often we we get caught up in there's there's something wrong with you because you struggle with anxiety. There's something wrong with you because you're anxious. There's something wrong with you when they have their brothers and sisters surrounding them. I tell you, there's nothing wrong with you. Martha, Job, Jonah, King David, Elijah, and again, it means that all anxiety is not necessarily bad, nor is it always connected to sin. If there's something in your life that you're anxious about, we're going to talk about, check the emotion, go to the source of where it is, and if you're in tilt, and if there's something in your life that you need to get rid of, then get rid of it, because your anxiety will decrease, but sometimes we just struggle with it. They suffered, not necessarily because they were sinners, they suffered because they are human and are susceptible to stresses and pressures. Every parent in here knows exactly what that's like. You hope for the best. And when you see your kids struggle, this anxiety and anxiousness, and you want to go around and you want to take away every blunt force from your child, and it doesn't stop parents when they're six, seven, and eight, because when they're 21, it just gets bigger. You will always be a parent. Recent stats show that over 40 million adults in the United States age 18 and over suffer from anxiety. I was blown away by that proportion, but when I read it, I'm like, I could see that. So let me get this out of the way for a moment. We all have stresses. We all have troubles in our lives, and I hate to tell you it's just part of life. Scripture that I had skipped over so many times in Job. If you haven't taken a chance, just read Job. Job and James, if you're ever feeling bad for you, will realign you a little bit, okay? If you don't know what I'm talking about, just just spend they're short books and start with James. That's a that's a quick hitter. But Job 5 7 says, People are born for trouble as readily as sparks fly up from a fire. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of trouble. It just happens but how we choose to handle those stresses and troubles is what we're going to focus on this morning. What do you do with them? So for just a moment, I want to talk about how we have adopted this thought or this, this, this thinking, which I think is a bad thought. It could even be bad thinking or even maybe bad theology, which has contributed to the church full of walking wounded rather than whole. Can I say that again? The church has been full, and again, I'm not necessarily talking about hope because I know this is a perfect place. (laughs) Believe me, I walked in the door and became imperfect the moment that I walked through here. But here's the issue. The church has become a place full of the walking wounded, and you say, well, what do you mean? I thought about, Kelly, you stood up here and what you did last week. Here's what we do. And tell me you've ever done this. I'm just kidding. Just admit it in your own mind. But how many times have you fought right before you came in the doors and then you come in and you say, hey, brother, how are you? And everything's great. How many times have you looked at your kids like, I'm going to kill you after church today? (laughs) Right? How many times throughout the week did you say, I don't want to live anymore? But then you walk through these doors and you smile. And you say everything's okay. And by faith, I know that you believe that. But what I'm saying is this is a place of healing. This is a place of refuge. This is a place where you can come and you make room for Christ. And we surround you. And we believe that God is your divine healer. But here's where the bad thinking in theology comes in. There is a partnership that we are connected to God. And God sometimes divinely heals you. But the problem is this. If you Cut yourself bad enough. You're going to go to the doctor and you're going to get stitches. But at times in our Christian walk and our journey, we're hurting so much. And we wait and we wait and we wait and we wait on God. And God's timing is perfect. And sometimes he wants you to use the resources that are around you. And I'll say that every resource is God's resource. So tap into everything you can. Don't walk around wounded. And there are going to be times, I'm going to tell you, standing up here today, I am wounded. There are things that I struggle with each and every day to walk the journey of life in an authentic, real way. When we say we're better together, how do we live that out? We need to be able to speak truth and say, today is not my best day. But it's better because God is with me and you are too. Don't get me wrong. He's our healer. He's our provider. He is our source. He is our strength. He is our refuge. And there are times where I pray, God, right now, right now. Can you imagine a life of every prayer just, God, hey, I'm dealing with anxious. Boom, gotcha. (laughs) That would be a perfect Hey, God, I'm a little fearful today. Gotcha. But do you know that sometimes in the midst of the storms, I'm going to speak for myself, it was where I grow the most. Sometimes in those anxious thoughts where I have to dig in the most. And sometimes God says, I got you, but I'm going to send somebody to you today just to remind you you are loved and cared for. You see, God often uses others or other things in the process of our healing. Again, I've already said uh, all resources are God's resources. There's no shame, and I wanna say this just because we are dealing with anxious and anxiety. I told you there were over 40 million suffered to 18 and over. Out of that stat, we're talking only 18 and over, out of that stat, some 30% are ones that seek help. So it tells me 60% who struggle with true anxiety, true emotions, and again, I'm saying nothing's wrong with you, but sometimes it just takes a neutral party to go, hey, I'm struggling, can I talk to you about this? Like, is, is, this, is this normal? Most likely, most likely, again, I'm not a doctor, but most likely say, yeah, you're probably just like everybody other human being in the world, it's, you're okay. Or may say, hey, you know what, let's meet. There's no shame in that. So this morning, I'm going to use a familiar story to highlight the faithfulness of God but also demonstrate what anxiety looks like. The background, the book of Exodus, many of us know the book of Exodus, the second book in the Old Testament. I loved it when we were back old school, especially when people didn't know where the books were because you saw people going from the front to the back. We're like, it's in the beginning, it's in the beginning. But we're all digital, so we're experts, right? The book of Exodus, and the book of Exodus really is the story of Moses, and it starts out by the deliverance of Moses. And if you read chapters 1 through 13, we're going to kind of really highlight those, those chapters here really quick. But Moses enters the scene kind of in a crazy way. He's, he's, he's kind of taking a whitewater trip. He's a baby. He's in the river. He gets saved. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just read the book. You're good. I'm taking some liberties, but trust me, it's all right. <clears throat> So um, he's, he's raised by Pharaoh's daughter and recounts the, the revelation of what we would call the burning bush where he was called to deliver the Israelites from Egyptian slavery. And I love the part because really if you look at Moses' life, it was miracle after miracle after miracle. There are times where in my life I'd say, God, can you give me the burning bush thing? Because then I know I'm headed the right direction, and he's never done it. And I've prayed it at least 20, 50, or 100 times in my life. So after Pharaoh rejects this, he goes through the the the, the slavery part, and he, the Israelites were treated so bad. After Pharaoh rejected his and Aaron's uh, demands, you said, "Well, what, where's it? What do you mean? You said Moses." Well, Aaron kind of got into the picture because Moses said, "I can't do this on my own," and he kept saying, "I am who I am. That's who you tell me I am." But still, I need somebody to come with me. So God says, "Fine." you can bring your friend. Aaron comes along with him. Pharaoh rejects it. God releases 10 plagues again, chapters 1 through 10, 11, 12, and we're going to pick it up on 13, releases the plagues, and then we say the resulting uh, action is the exodus, right? The Israelites are released because of faithfulness of Moses and Aaron, and says, I got you. So it is during this exodus God does miracle after miracle in order to fulfill His promises to the Israelites. So we're going to pick up the story in Exodus chapter 13, verses 20 through 22. It says, the Israelites left left Sokoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. Again, here they've been released and they've been set free. Miracle after miracle, it said the Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. So paraphrase simply this way, that God made a way and he said, I'm going to take care of you. Not only am I going to take care of you, but I'm going to provide miracle both day and night where you will be guided and directed. And my presence will show you every day, every night, every moment that you are good and I'm there. Sounds a little perfect, right? Well, hold on. Because life is much like this. Have you ever felt, you know, you're feeling just good? Life's like in cruise control. You're on 485, and nobody's racing past you, and you're just cruising along, like just coasting, right? No traffic. Doesn't happen, but you just imagine it for a moment. Everything's great. Can I tell you, I don't know about you, but when everything's great, I begin to wince. I begin to look around the corner, like the video in the beginning. I become a little anxious. Why? Because I know the story. Because when everything's good, it's like all of a sudden, boom. Right in your lap is something that you've now got to deal with. Exodus 14. Now, again, remember, the people are taken care of day and night, the pillar thing, right? And You can say, well, what is that? I don't exactly know what that is. All I know is he's taking care of business. That's all we got to know. No needs. They're good. So then we fast forward to Exodus 14, 10 through 14, This is as Pharaoh approached the people and again if you imagine it, they'd just been released and he's like, Oh, great, here comes that guy. And he's not wanting to have a conversation. I'm sure he's like, Hey, you know you guys got and kinda got got free of the plague thing. We're over the plague thing. We want you back. It so the people saw that they were coming, and they what? They panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. And again, that tells me in that moment, anxiety begins to kick in. The emotion of what was our past, everything that happened. It said they cried out to the Lord. And again, this is exactly what happened, because all of a sudden, they were reminded of their past and how bad it was. And they begin to allow anxiety to take over, and they said to Moses, Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Hold on. You see what's happened? You see, they wanted to take the miracle. They wanted to take the provision. They wanted to take the promise that God was fulfilling every day because all of a sudden they became a little bit anxious because a fear crept in and they saw what was reminded of their past. You see, the best remedy to deal with anxiety and or any other emotion is to deal with the problem's causes, not just its symptoms. The symptoms were, again, and we could go through the whole list, anxiety, fear, insecurity, hopelessness, feeling like you're lost. You can deal with the symptoms or you can go to the root cause and say, in this moment, I am anxious because I don't want to live that way. I want to live in the promises of God. Okay, well, let's talk about that. Did God not provide a cloud and pillar of fire by day and also provide at night? He did. Well, He did. So don't you think He's got a plan? Do you think he's gotten it this far? And again, you look at the story of Moses. I mean, the baby was thrown into a river, cast. why? Because he had this this call in his life, and he was raised not with his parents, and all these things were in perfect alignment. God isn't giving up on them, nor will he give up on you. You see, in their argument, they acknowledged all he had done already. But here's the problem. Anxiety, anxiousness will cause you to lose sight of his faithfulness. You say, well, what does that mean? All of a sudden you become so focused on what could and what if rather than what has and is. Exodus 14, 13 through 14. I love Moses' response. He said, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue to you today. The Egyptian you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Now, when I read the Word of God, I always I always like say, okay, God, what are you saying to me? And I, and I feel sometimes the emotions, there's a little bit of sarcasm in this moment because I can imagine somebody saying that to me when I'm anxious or fearful or wound up and just say, just stay calm. And here would be my thing, what do you mean? Don't tell me just to stay calm. You don't know how I'm feeling. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the emotions that I'm being, I have inside. You don't know my past just stay calm. But see, Moses was standing in the authority, understanding in the knowledge that God had it under control. You see, the answer to overcoming anxiety is complete trust in the Lord. The answer to overcoming anxiety is making room for the Lord. Surrendering all. You know, and I wish I could tell you that found without, within the word of God and found throughout history are just success stories and just, just you know, things that were perfect, were, were awesome, and every time someone was being pressed or pushed or someone's life was threatened, that God intervened and, and, and just did his thing, and they were free. They were no problems at all. They had got a piece of bubble gum and walked away. Sorry, I can't tell you that. But I can tell you this, God never abandoned him. I don't know how many times, we're going on two years now that my mom has passed, that I prayed for her healing. And I could easily say, God, you never showed up. Could I tell you how many times I was anxious, had anxiety, about it. Still to this day do, because I could I have done more, should I have shown up more? Could I have said certain things. But the truth of the matter is is God fulfilled a promise to her the moment she breathed her last breath here. It's true. So I'm okay with that. It wasn't what I wanted but I'm okay with it. The answer to overcoming anxiety is a complete trust in the Lord and making room for Him. And what do I mean by making room? It means when those things are pressing in on you, you push them away with the help of God and you allow the presence of God to fill those voids and spaces. Because if you don't, those other things are gonna press in. Exodus 16, 1 through 2. And again, we've covered 13 through 16 now. So we're 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 kind of seeing this snapshot of the story. It says, then the whole community of Israel set out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of sin between Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived here on the fifteenth day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. There, too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. And if you can imagine it just for a moment, it's kind of like if you've ever gone hiking with me. Some of you have been going like, yeah, you, the, 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 the joke that they, they make up, I'll say they make up this, this stuff. Don't believe anything they say. Come to me, the source. How much longer? My response is always the same, about a mile. I don't even give them the trail names anymore because they will research the trail and make determinations if they can handle. i like, hey, better together you just show up anyway. Anyway. And I can just imagine this moment as I'm just hiking up the trail and I got Patrick and Larry in the back and they say they're talking about God things and all this kind of stuff, but I think they might be complaining about me. And they're like, why would Chad, our leader... Lead us on a mountain. He said it was two miles, and according to my watch, we're at five miles, and we've covered 2,700 feet elevation change. Why would he do such a thing to us? That's not true completely, right? He's quiet. But they were complaining. Why? Because it wasn't going the way they thought it would go. Because they all of a sudden lost trust in their God. They all of a sudden begin to focus on their circumstances more than their promise. You see, the answer to overcoming, whatever it is, and we're dealing with anxiety and anxiousness, but whatever emotion that controls you, whatever that that thing is that is toxic to your soul, the answer to overcoming, whatever it is, is not forgetting what God has done in the past, because what he has done throughout the, the past and throughout history, he will continue to do today, because he is faithful, and he doesn't change and he loves each and every one of us. You see, anxiety forgets what was, what was promised and what was given. Anxiety forgets the pillar. Anxiety forgets the water. Anxiety forgets the man. And you just say, what are you talking about? Read Exodus, even up to chapter 16, 1 through 16, and you'll see miracle after miracle after miracle. And what I'm saying is anxiety, anxiousness, or whatever that emotion is, that thing that is toxic to your soul, will take the focus what was and begin to focus on what can and will happen and you'll think all of a sudden now everything is going wrong and sometimes God is saying just trust me after 400 years of slavery I thought about this think about this guys they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness before they entered the Promised Land. Forty years. That's a hike. And they didn't have water filters, just saying. And they didn't have Gore-Tex boots. You know, I've heard message after message after message It goes something like this, their obedience kept them in the wilderness. Well, they weren't obedient. But they were fearful. They were hopeless. They were lost. They were angry. You Go through any one of those. They were anxious. Think about this for a moment. His presence was there the entire time. His presence was there the entire time. The provision and the presence wasn't enough. And I think about that over and over and over. The cloud, a pillar by day and by night and manna and water and they complained and they were pursued and God parted this, this sea and, and all this crazy stuff. His presence was there the entire time, and it still wasn't enough. You see, they lost sight of the promise. They got so focused on the circumstance. They got so focused on the thing that was happening in their life that they couldn't look up and say, Hey, I see you, God. I see you've been with me this entire time. And even though it hasn't been perfect, even though it hasn't been great, and there have been trials, you've been there the entire time. You see, anytime there's change in our life, Know that anxiety will follow. Expect it. But even in the midst of change, his promise remains over and over and over. So let me give you something to put in your backpack. Some simple stuff. Anxiety has three main elements. The first one is insecurity. Something bad is gonna happen, right? Something bad's coming. I, I just know it. And we begin to be anxiety. It's not, you know, my kid's not gonna get in the school and, and my dog is sick or, you know, whatever it may be. And we begin to be anxious and we begin to struggle with those things. Something bad's gonna happen, first element. The second help, uh, element is this helplessness. There is nothing I can do. Nothing. And the third element, of anxiety is isolation. There's no one to help me. Think about that for a moment. Three, insecurity, helplessness, and isolation. You see, these causes contribute to symptoms. These causes may operate individually or in various combinations. Sometimes all three of them are like, boom, 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 and you begin to be surrounded, right? Emotionally, they cause this, this reaction within us, anxiety or whatever it may be. It doesn't matter if it's imagined or real, because once you're there, it's there. Have you ever talked to somebody? Have you ever felt in your town and someone looks at you like, hey, hold on a minute. I'm like, I know you think this, but I, I don't know. No, 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 no. It's, it's real, it's real, it's real, it's real. It's real to you. But again, what do you do? You make room. You may feel insecure, but he makes you secure. You may feel helpless, but he is, according to the word of God, the great helper. You may feel isolated, but he is what? all always he is what always everywhere all the time every place you go he is what always there so what i'm saying to you this morning is this that you make room that you push aside these emotions that you begin to prepare your heart to surrender everything to him all things So this is what I want us to do. So I want us just to quiet our spirit for just a moment because I believe that God wants to do something divine and supernatural in your life in this moment. It used to be that we respond in church and move to a place that we called an altar because the presence of God was so real and so powerful because we didn't want to leave the same. And I believe that every time we come to church that the presence of God will transform us. But can I challenge you to say this? Not only is this an illustration, but it's symbolic of allowing and pushing away the things in our life to say, God, no longer am I going to go to these things and I'm going to hold anger in my life. And I'm not going to take this anymore. And I'm going to say, God, by your power and by your presence is now gone. And no longer am I going to walk around and I'm not going to be sad because when I hold on to those emotions and feeling, that is a, not the divine design that God has for me in my life. And I'm going to allow it to go and I'm not going to deal with feelings of inadequacy and I'm not going to deal with mistrust and I'm not going to feel lost anymore and I'm not going to have any more doubt in my life, no more fear. No more hopelessness. And I'm not going to be frustrated in my life anymore. And as I move into the things of God and I believe that God is going to change me, this anxiety is gone. It's gone. So I'm going to tell you his way is better every time. Scripture says the cast our cares upon Him. Philippians four six or seven says, "Don't worry about anything. Instead, what pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and thank Him for all that He has done. Then you will experience God's peace." which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will what? Guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. It says don't be anxious about anything in your life. Luke 12, says, then Jesus turning to his disciples, he said, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Hold on to that one, church. Don't worry about anything, whether you have enough food or enough to eat, enough clothes to wear. You see, he promises that he'll redeem every misery, every fear, every concern, and every burden. Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. In him, we overcome the worst world the world can do to us. John 16, verse 33. I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. You see the remedy, the answer, the RX for anxiety is complete trust and confidence in God's ability to heal. And I'll say that again. It's complete trust in knowing that God is going to heal. So what do you want to do? I asked them to come forward because I wanted to illustrate to you what it looked like. A few weeks ago, we had some ladies come up and responded in a really genuine, authentic way, unscripted. I said this morning that the church can become the place full of a whole lot of walking wounded, and that's okay, because the church is designed perfectly for it. But this is what I want us to do. I want us all just to stand. Can we do something a little different this morning? Some of you, I'm going to make you feel a little uncomfortable in just a moment and I apologize ahead of time. Not really, but I'll say it. You can stay right where you're at. I've shared this story before. It's at North Central University in Minneapolis, Minnesota and I'd recommitted my life to Christ and took this six hour drive to Minneapolis to study to be a pastor the guy was giving an altar response and he said if God is dealing with you, you know you gotta move, you gotta do something and here's what I said in my mind God's dealing with me and I probably need to move but I'm not moving why I was so prideful why I was so fearful because I wanted nothing more than God to do something radical in my life but I was frozen. All this stuff. So what I want to challenge you to do. Some of you may say, you know what? I'm gonna join them. And I'm gonna give you one more illustration, and then we're gonna move back into worship. And I'm gonna say, let's just worship. We'll come back in just a moment. It's early. But here's the challenge. I want you to respond in a genuine, authentic way than you've ever done before. And for some of you, maybe, I know some of you, i taught to you. You're inclined to move when we call the little bit of old school and just respond to an altar and to a place of worship and saying, God, here I am. You're wired that way, so move. Some of you want to do it in your seat, that's fine too. It's all good. But what I want you to do is this. I want you to move From the position of posture of I'm here to surrender and saying, God, I'm here. Does that make sense? Because here's the thing. We talked about the three elements. Insecurity. You are secure. This is a safe space. There is no judgment in this place. And I'm going to tell you, I am one of those that walks in going, God, you got to show up or I'm going to mess this up. You got to show up or I'm going to make a mess out of this. Why? Because I am flawed and I have insecurities and I deal with anxiety. It finds me kind of curious, speaking about a topic that I struggle with. And can I tell you, out of the last three weeks, anxiety and anxiousness has been taking me out to lunch every day. And I'm like, why am I so anxious? Why is there so much anxiety? Because I was struggling with insecurity. I am secure. I'm not hopelessness. uh, I've not lost the feeling of hope, but I am hopeful. Why? Because God has promised me a whole lot, and I am not alone. I'm not. So here's how I'm going to illustrate this. Who's got my back? ultimately it's god right but we talk about better together so i'm going to say who's got my back patrick do you have my back greg do you have my back tanner do you got my back do you see what I'm saying? But here's the truth of the matter. Who's got David's? Who's got Jansen's? Who's got Danny's? Who's got Stacy's? Who's got Shays? Who's got Lindsay's? Who's got Danny's? Who's got Kelly's? If we talk about being a church, then let's be a church. And this is not from a place of judgment. But I'm going to tell you, I want to move us from good to supernatural. I want to move us from just awesome to saying, God, you did something amazing. So I'm going to challenge you. If you got someone's back up here, I want you to come to them right now. Come on, don't hesitate. We're going to show you what better together looks like. And this is going to overpour. Come on, out in the group here. Who's got your back? And we do this, and I'm not going to be sensitive to everything going on, but here's the deal. Come on, let's raise our hands right now. Father, by your presence and by your spirit. Father, we've talked about making room. We've talked about your presence. We've talked about surrendering all. I pray, Father, that in this, this movement this transformation that you're speaking into us, Lord. I pray that we would genuinely move with you in a mighty way. That, Father, as we, Lord, feel at times anxious or anxiety or fear, I pray that the insecurity will go away. I pray that hopelessness will go away. I pray that we will no longer feel isolated. There is not one person in this place who is isolated and alone because, God, you have surrounded us. You have given us to each other. We truly are better together because of that which you do in and through us, Lord. So, Father, right now...